This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilion and me, Burton Bishop. What's up, John? You see this right here? I do. This is product placement. Yeah, that's a cup of praise God right there. That is a large <laughs> cup of praise God. Uh, so I had to drop off Gabby today at work, uh, which is, do Amen. I even have to say it? When you were having kids someday and, uh, and you and Darcy were like, man, God, do whatever you need to do. Did you think that that meant he would bring them to employment at Chick-fil-A? We could only hope and pray. <laughs> we could only hope and pray. So I'm dropping off Gabby at work and I decided to go through the drive-thru and get some chicken minis to bless the staff this morning. And I ordered a large sweet tea. And as the guy's saying it back to me, he's like, all right, so I got a two 10 count chicken minis. I'm just going to share them with the mm-hmm. staff and a large unsweet tea. I went to fight or flight, <laughs> fight or flight. Did, no, I'm no, like, no, no, no. excuse me. Did I say unsweet tea? No, I'm a Christian who has lived in the South. That means sweet tea. I'm an American, right? Dude, it's unsweet a, tea is disgusting. Unsweet tea is cold brown water. It's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. There's My nothing wrong with loves hot it. tea. Hot tea, okay. Hot, unsweet tea, black, whatever. Yeah. Victoria, Matt, we love you but guys. Ice cold, unsweet tea. So that is a large cup. See that product placement right there of <laughs> no free sweet tea. Yeah, no free shout outs, by the way. Yeah. So. And it's not free because they're paying your kids. Yeah. So. And, and, and the other thing you said, what's up, is I'm realizing again that there are more than four seasons in Michigan. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sick of it. And I, I, I hate talking about the weather because, you know what? Let's not, let's let's not talk not. about the weather because if we talk about the weather, then the weather wins. Yeah. And I'm here to win. Yeah. You're here to win. I'm being honest. It's already won. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm good. Wow, that I was driving in yeah. today. You texted me, and I was like, "Yeah, these are it's dumb. This it's is dumb. dumb." Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's better. I'm going to say this, and it's going to make a lot of Michiganders mad. It is better than Florida. Is it really? I'm dude? in agreement with you. I hate Thank Florida. You. It's too hot. It's the worst. Florida is. It's like Both living in an armpit. I okay. It is so well, okay. I was in Florida last week on a speaking event, not doing vacation, and I'll never forget this moment. I'm sweating in a car with air conditioning. You were sweating before the plane landed. Three cars in front of me. We're at an intersection. This dude's riding his bike across the street. A car hits him. We're in Florida. It's terrible. It's hot. It's nine in the morning. This guy stands up in the intersection who just got hit by a car and proceeds to punch the windshield of the car that hit him until it breaks. That this has is, nothing to do with the heat. That's is, just Florida. No, that's what the that's heat the does Florida to people. Florida man. That oh, doesn't happen in TC. Nobody's man. at it. You get hot, you get flustered. That's what's going on in Florida last week. That's what's going on, Benji. It's just a local Florida man. Exactly. Local Florida man. Yeah. Oh, and their goodness. Chick-fil-A was under construction. Yeah. I'm See, talking about being oppressed. No, Trav- Traverse City already has one. <laughs> yeah, praise yeah. God. Yeah. Which that's I don't awesome. mind waiting in that line for because they took a little bit too long today. Mm-hmm. But then when I started to get upset, I was like, Wait a minute. We waited years for this. We waited years What's for this. What's another 10 minutes? Yeah, I was like, you take your time with that chicken. <laughs> All right, what are we talking about? Awesome. We are jumping back into our DNA series, um, and we're going to take a look at um, the DNA, piece of our DNA, so big rocks, cracked pots, and we're called to be dominoes. This week, we're going to talk about cracked pot, it's pots. It's one that when I was coming on staff at the Tabernacle, when I came and visited you guys, it was one that really stuck out to me as I was hmm. just going through the website and I'm getting to know people and really kind of, it's one that you don't hear often um, in church culture. It's one that isn't always um, presented. Um, for some reason, growing up for me, this was something you didn't talk about. Um, this wasn't something you didn't acknowledge in the um, denomination. Maybe I went to a few times as a kid, but 
correct pots was something that was really intriguing for me when I came here and visited because it, there was a level of humility mm. that came with it. And so I'm just going to read what it says on the website and then we can jump in. Um, we are cracked pots like clay pots. Humans have cracks and imperfections. God chooses to save imperfect people to do his perfect will. Despite our weakness, we express our faith in action. God's love and power shine brightly through the cracks, pointing people to Jesus, not ourselves. Yeah, and where where the um, where the crack pots kind of idea came from? Uh, this is also part of the history mm-hmm. of our church. So it wasn't just trying to be cute or trying to be funny. It would have been two thousand six or two thousand seven. My memory banks aren't working exactly straight. I know it was, it was year one or two of uh, actually having become the lead pastor that we did a topical sermon series and this topical sermon series was called Cracked Pots. And the reason that we call it Cracked Pots, we'll go there in a minute, the scripture, Mm -hmm. the specific New Testament scripture that it was based on. But what we did is we highlighted, this sounds bad now looking back, but we highlighted the imperfections of like five patriarchs of the Old Testament. Mm. Like we... uh, what, what we would call heroes of the faith. So like in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, which, which I call, you know, that's the great faith chapter. Yes. It's like the house of heroes of faith. It talks about the faith of Abraham. It talks about the faith of Moses. It talks about the faith of Samson, of David, you name it. It's, mm-hmm. it's talking about Elijah. Yeah. Um, Samson, or I already said Samson. But when you go back and look at these heroes of the faith, if you look at their lives, right. They were like the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> yeah. They were jacked up. And so the point wasn't to tear them down. The point was to say, if God could use Moses, because Moses gave God his yes, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't perfect. He had a temper. Uh, um, he, he got into some trouble with uh, that more than once, right. right? He didn't believe God all the time. You look at Abraham. Abraham had doubts at times. There was one time that... For fear, Abraham actually um, pretended that his wife, Sarah, was not his wife, was his sister, because he was afraid the Pharaoh was going to kill him. And so actually let Pharaoh take Sarah into his house until they all broke out with a disease. And it's like, that happened, you know, or Noah, you know, Noah, this great man of faith who built the ark and saved humanity and two of every animal, including the snails that took forever to get in, right, you know. (laughs) And then you realize Noah got drunk and fell over naked, you yeah. know, and was a horrible example to his children. So yeah. that's where it came from, this idea that none of us are perfect. There was only one perfect person who ever lived, and that was Jesus. Yeah. So really it was an attempt to highlight the grace of God and the goodness of God. And I think, too, for the Tab, the Tab family that's listening, maybe there's some people that listen to the podcast that don't go to church, but for, I mean, a lot of months, we were in First and Second Samuel, and that was a book mm-hmm. of following the life of this Oh, yeah. Cracked pot that was David. And there were so many times where it's like, God's still using this dude? Yeah. And, but it was just like that, that, that continued process that, but whenever you go, and we can get into the, the responses of David in the midst mm-hmm. of his sin and different things like that. It was just really cool um, to see that God is, God is in control, I think yeah. is the ultimate reminder that it's not a behavioral management thing or that he, but that was yeah. what I learned from first and second Samuel is if da- God can use David, I got a shot. Right. <laughs> so, so we did that series. And then when the series was over, we were also in a period of kind of rewriting some things in the Constitution, the bylaws, the statement of faith. I think I've said this before, that um, when I first came to this church, there was probably uh, three pages of the statement of faith, maybe two pages, that had to do with big rocks, like God, salvation, the gospel, (sighs) 
grace, faith, etc. And then there was about four straight pages mm. about the second coming and and the rapture and revelation, right? And so we were like, okay, we need to readjust this and and make it kind of um, a little bit better and focus more on the big rocks. Mm. Well, one of the things, part of the recent history of our church, when I say recent, I'm talking the last 50 years, there was also this high premium pace or, or placed on holiness and performance. Mm. Now, holiness is important. Our God is a holy God. He calls us to be holy like him, to be set apart and to be different. But there was a little bit of legalism. I'm not a, there was a lot of bit of legalism. Mm. There was a lot of bit of legalism and behind it all, and I'm just going to put it right out there, was this idea that humans can be sinlessly perfect. Mm. That the first work of grace is when I receive Christ by faith and I become a child of God. But then if I work hard enough and pray hard enough, I'll have this second work of grace by which suddenly I don't want to swear. I don't want to get angry. I don't want to get drunk or steal or lie or ever, ever sin. Now, I've actually heard people uh, say, you know, hey, I haven't sinned in, you know, 30 years <laughs> ever since I was saved and sanctified, you know, as if it was two different things. Right. Uh, and, and, and so part of the crackpots idea is we wanted to move away from that and come back to what we believe the Bible teaches is that God is a God of grace. We want to be grace-filled people. Mm. We want to be a grace-filled church yeah. because what was happening, and I know this is a long rant, but we were being known for what we were against and with that, who we were against. And so people had this idea, I can't go there yeah, because I'm a woman and I don't always wear skirts. Sometimes <laughs> I wear pants right? or I don't put my hair in a bun or you know what? I like to play cards. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the Michigan Euchre champ <laughs> and this sounds dumb, but there's some churches, you know, no cards, no this, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. And that's what it was becoming. And so we we're like, man, we got to get back to this big tent. Yeah. God's got a grace. I was going to ask you, but it's, it's a bunny trail that we can go down for a second. Why do you think, um, and this is just your opinion, whatever, people tend, not everybody does it, but there are people that tend to side towards legalism. It's a great question. Or yep. I, wonder, I would rather do this piece than, so why do you think that that is a product? Just what, where did that come from? I think it has to do with control. Uh, after being a pastor for about five years, I distinctly remember a moment when now you're dealing with people, you're dealing with their problems, you're dealing with lifestyle decisions and issues and, you know, marriages and families and the church is growing. And I remember um, turning to Tim and saying, I think I understand why legalist pastors are that way. Because mm. if I can just tell you everything to do, at least in my mind, I can control it and then it's easier. Yeah. Just everybody follow my standard of my rules and it's about control. Then I know who's on my team and who's not on my team. You see the opposite, what, what we're talking about here and what the tabernacle is, one church in two locations and wherever you're listening from, I guess multiple locations, yeah. is it's messy. Yeah. Grace is messy. You know, I'm thinking of uh, when, when we had Foster on here and, and we were talking about how God's grace is a little bit scandalous. Yeah. I mean, the people he chooses to love and save, I mean, like I said, they're straight up the Jerry Springer show, right? Right. And, and uh, um, the opposite of that is to get everybody in lockstep. And really what you have that way, it's no different than a cult. 
Yeah. Everybody dress this way, vote this way, look this way, only eat these foods, don't eat those foods, and uh, uh, don't smoke this. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're going to smoke something, it better be barbecue. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, praise God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that goes with grace, too. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, that would be, that was kind of what my thought process was just this What idea. do you think? I mean, do you think yeah, there's think, anything you would add to that? No, I think control and there's like a level of, it's a similar word to control in my head is manageability. Yeah. Um, even from my end of is if I become legalist, my faith becomes manageable because oh, I yeah. can check these boxes and I can follow these rules and I can feel like I'm doing good enough because that's a huge part of my background and my past. Some that Foster actually talked about quite a bit oh, yeah. on every episode he's on here is this idea of performance-based acceptance, right? And so I think often I can slip into a space of legalism that I don't hold everybody else to, but that I hold myself to that is based out of my obedience equals God's obligation. That's right. Because love is scary to me at times, right? Love is something that can, in my deepest parts of my flesh, is something that can be given and taken away. It's something that isn't free. Um, it's something that is controllable. It's And so there are all those pieces that are easy to slip into for me um, mm-hmm. and, and and, and and it's definitely not like that all the time anymore. But then with whenever it came to my relationship with Christ, it was like, well, if I can just check these boxes, he has to love me, right? Yeah. It was the same way when I was playing football. If, if I can perform this way, if I'm all state, coaches are bound to love me. If I check these boxes, go to these classes, like it was all just this idea of I'm managing everybody else's, it's, uh, almost this image management. Mm-hmm. And then if I can manage my image good enough, they'll all love me, even if they don't know who they're loving. Because in the inside, I know the cracked pot. I know the stuff that I'm covering up with all these behavior modification, mm-hmm. but as long as everybody acts like they love me. And so that was always weird too, because when I was really slipping into that early, when I was in my first getting into my faith and I'm still early in my faith, mm-hmm. but really early is I associated the saints, um, Christians opinions of me as what God thought of me. Mm. And that was a place I slipped into, I think. Oh like, yeah. So yeah, the, oh, I could see the that pastors telling me, Hey, you're doing a great job as an intern, right? And God, that's must, what God thought. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was always somewhere that I slipped into. And it was really, it took a lot of time for me to separate. What does it look like for me to, n- not the crazy, charismatic, crazy stuff, mm-hmm. but like, what does it look like for me to hear God's voice on my own? What does it look like for me to find what God's thoughts of me are in his word and different stuff like that to define my value rather than what I'm doing to check the boxes for other people? Right. So I, I, was, I was thinking of an illustration of this, of why. Uh, you can tell a lot about a leader or you can tell a lot about a pastor um, by the way... Um, like he'll lay down the rules for his youth group mm-hmm. or a teacher with his or her classroom or a coach with his or her team, right? If at the beginning of the year, they start with this big list of rules, rule number one, mm-hmm. you will be on time. Rule number two, you will do what I say. Rule number three, you will dress this way. Rule number four, your hair is going to look like this, you know, whatever it is in this classroom. It, it, when they go through that big, long list of rules, you can see they're looking for control and manageability. And that's why the New York Yankees are the worst team in baseball. <laughs> you can't even have a beard. You can't even, really, in yeah. baseball? Yeah. Yep. Now, here's the opposite. Here's the opposite. I've seen teachers, coaches, mm-hmm. what have you, will say, okay, the number one rule here uh, is we're going to choose to respect each other. We're going to mm-hmm. choose to respect each other. And the respect means you're going to respect each other's time. You're going to respect each other's property. You're going to re- so it's a positive thing mm. saying these are the things that we're going to do. This is what we're going to aspire to. That's way more grace-filled. So mm. now I can find those boundaries of where respect and where disrespect kind yeah, of is. That's good. You know? yeah, yeah, that's really good. No, for sure. Rule number one, party. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not a Graceville church. Have you seen that show? I have not. I mean, Peanut Butter Falcon, remember? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Peanut that's Butter Falcon. Movie. That is a Graceville show. <laughs> well, rem- that's one of the best binge. shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Ser- seriously, I-, I could watch that show almost every day of the week. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf, one. Peanut Butter Falcon. Yep. He says, rule number one, party. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, for sure. And there's a fine line and all that. But so whenever you guys were <laughs> dialing in that kind of idea of cracked pots, um, where did you go? With, like, because you were doing that series, all that stuff. And so um, I, I know you have scripture over there. Oh, right? I People got some can scripture. See you, so yeah, you I got some scripture. It. Yeah. So uh, uh, we're going to start in 2 Corinthians 3. And in 2 Corinthians 3, um, he's, he's breaking down this idea and he's using an example of the Old Testament. And, and he's talking about Moses and he's really talking about transformation. Now, on your own, a great idea would be to study 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, or better yet, just all of it. Mm-hmm. But 3 and 4 really breaks down this idea that we don't really arrive, or arriving for us is to faith in Christ mm-hmm. and becoming part of the new covenant. And that's where transformation begins. And the, all throughout this, there's this thread that transfer, my transformation to be more and more like Jesus, more and more holy and sinning less is going to be ongoing till the day that I die. And one day I'll be glorified when I see Christ face to face, see him as he is. I'll be transformed. No more sin. Hmm. You can't sin in heaven. I've I've had people ask me, what if I go to heaven and sin? Will I get thrown out? (laughs) Uh, Up there, you won't want to, and you can't to. Hmm. So this is the test down here. Up there, it makes it all happen. But if we dial in, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12, it says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. So what that's referring to is way back in the day, back in the day, Moses, children of Israel coming out of Egypt, I think book of Exodus, mm-hmm. he would go meet with God as a man speaks to God face to face, not literally face to face, but as a man speaks face to face. As he's meeting with God, uh, it caused Moses' face to glow. We don't know what kind of glow it is. I referred to it many times from the pulpit, but it was some type of glow, so much so that the people, when he came out, were shocked and amazed, fight or flight, this guy's glowing. It wasn't a fake and baked tan. It was just (laughs) some kind of, it was supernatural. He had to wear a veil and he wore a veil for two reasons. One, uh, so they would actually leave him alone mm-hmm. and not just stare at him. And I've, I've actually lived in a culture where, you know, the native population would just sit here and stare at me, uh, being a little kid in church because yeah. I was white and they weren't. And they just stare at you the whole time. They wouldn't get anything done in church because they'd just be staring at <laughs> little white kid, and, you know, and they want to pinch your arm and see you turn red. I mean, yeah. it's a place where there's no internet and televisions, right? So yeah. you just stare at, the, yeah. stare at the anomaly, right? Same thing. The second reason was the glow was wearing off. And so he wore the veil in order that they wouldn't stop thinking Uh, or they would start to think that God has left us or Mm. something like that. Right. Yeah. So it starts there. And, and, and there's a point to this. If you skip down to 17, he talks about you and I as Christians. It says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now I just love that statement. I love it. Yeah. Does that sound like legalism to you? No. Yeah. So when, so when you hear, oh, the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, is freedom. And it goes, period. What's that spark? Yeah. For me, I think it's just this, this idea. Um, 
that I don't know. It's just a lot of joy. Um, it's this idea of like, this is what true love is. This is the seal that's been placed on my mm. life. It's no longer obligation, but it's opportunity. Um, it's how do I work out of this freedom? Uh, it's scripture that comes to mind is the yoke is easy. The burden is light. Galatians five is for freedom. You've been set free not Good. to be burdened again. Um, so all that stuff starts coming yeah. to mind of, cause freedom is, is, in with in this context, at least for me, is it's it's something that I don't have to keep earning. Yes, it's yes. something that when I'm free, I'm free. Right? I'm, I'm free. A, I'm a dog off the chain. It's a difference <laughs> between duty and desire. Yeah, desire. I desire freedom, and yep. I have freedom, and now I'm no longer bound by duty. Yep. And he's breaking. And you'll and you'll have to read it. You know, those yeah. of us who are listening, or those of you that are listening, he's breaking down the old covenant, all about the law and the mm-hmm. rules. Under new covenant, there's freedom, and then it says in verse eighteen. And we all with unveiled face, so we don't have to wear a face. Yep. We don't have to wear a, ve- a veil over our face. I mean, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. There's action. Being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That verse right there, so much is packed into the, of what the Christian life is about. Yeah, I'm being changed. My... My face should glow too. Mm-hmm. Your face should glow. Yeah. But it's a different type of glow. Yep. It's life. It's freedom. It's love. It's joy. It's a relationship with the living God, right? So that's our transformation and we're being transformed. That's, that's the key word. Being transformed. Yeah. Go. I think the key word for me is being. Yeah. And so it's not this idea of you're instantly, boom, transformed, but I'm being transformed. It's It points to process. It points to... But then whenever I look at that word being connected to what we just talked about, that where there's freedom, it, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom in being transformed, but also it's still a process. It's not this instant, why isn't all of this just perfect now, right? Why mm-hmm. do I still have these moments where I'm a cracked pot or whatever that looks like, which we'll get to. But that idea of being transformed, and it's this constant, that the churchy ghetto word would be this process of sanctification. Yes. That, is, that it's pointing to, and it's all pointing to the fact that I'm being transformed and my hope in the completion of that transformation comes in the return of Christ and my ultimately that ultimate glory is that crown of life that comes with eternity with him that's right and so and i think often something that can frustrate christians can um be disappointing is this idea that this process is one that we're just on mm-hmm. and it's not going to end right? right you've been doing this for a long time and you're still in process Right. Been doing this for a little bit of time and I'm still in pro. And so it's just this idea that none of us are going to reach this fullness of this glory until Christ's return. And so I think that's why the word being stuck out yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. Being, so it says being transformed into the same image. Mm-hmm. And then the very next thing speaks to exactly what you're talking about from one degree of glory to another. Yeah. So there's all these different stages yeah. of my sanctification journey all the way up to the end. Mm-hmm. And, and sanctification is a great word. It's, it's a purific, it's a purifying mm-hmm. or it's a, something being made holy or something, which means something being set apart. Yeah. We're set apart for God. We're set apart for glory, mm-hmm. set apart for adoption. We're set apart to be like him. And then this last little bit, which is the second thing that jumps out, at least right. for me, for this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit Yeah, that flies in the face of the gospel of sin management or this performance-based yeah. gospel that I've got to clean me up. I can't clean me up. It's a gospel ladder that you talk about all the time. 100%. Yeah. And it's it's this, you know, if you know of anyone who's ever been in uh, any type of a recovery program 
or anyone that wants to do some sort of lifestyle change, right. you know, whether it be with their food or they got to suddenly become gluten-free. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, if, if they suddenly, whatever is it they want to achieve, real change has to come from within. Mm-hmm. So how do I change me from within? It's only because the spirit lives in me. And when yeah. the spirit convicts, the spirit guides. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just, that's something that often is talked about. So if you, in a short, uh, it doesn't have to be a long answer but for this idea of the lord who is the spirit yeah for the person listening like man what does that look like is it am i going to hear this voice while i'm sleeping like what is this process so break down kind of that that piece of the trinity and i know that's a big piece but just for like in the short for the person listening maybe that's so this is written in the context of the new testament so when it says from the lord who is the spirit so we know that god is spirit Hmm. uh we know jesus came as a man but jesus physically isn't with us right now but he said, I will send you my spirit, right? So we know that the Trinity, God forever exists eternally as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when he's saying this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit, it's not an extra force. Right. It's not, well, I'm a Christian. Now I've got to ask for the spirit. Those people depersonalize yeah. God. They try to separate the spirit from the other two. This is the spirit of Christ, the Lord, who lives in me, who lives in you. He does the changing He's in charge of it. And, and you've actually referenced this before. Um, a mutual friend of ours, a pastor from Colorado, mm-hmm. who, who really uh, uh, has kind of jumped off with this idea is that you and I can be mentored. You and I can be discipled by Jesus. Yeah. What he means is this verse, that this sanctification, this discipling, becoming more and more like God, that comes from the spirit. The spirit mm-hmm. of who? Right. The, spirit the spirit of Jesus right. yeah. that lives in me. We can be discipled by Jesus. And if, and if you look at chapter four, he keeps, he, which is the very next verse. And remember, uh, listeners, that, that, that the numbers were added later. So we think there's one thought to another. In chapter four, verse one, it says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Mm. So why, why right there would he say, do not lose heart? Do, do not lose heart about what? I wonder if he's saying, don't lose heart with how much you screw up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't lose heart with the fact that you're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Don't lose heart with the fact that, you know what, uh, y- you know, your husband, your wife, your kids, they're not there yet or other people in your church. Yeah. He says, we do not lose heart. So then it goes on and this, uh, we get uh, into verse six In verse six, uh, as he's breaking down this idea, he says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's significant because he's talking about light, knowledge, and glory, right? That all of those things are ours. And then we get to verse seven, and this is where the term crackpots gotcha. finally came from. Got it. Long answer, <laughs> but this, you know, I wanted, hey, it's our podcast. So we do whatever we want, want right? Yeah. So, I, so I broke it down how the <laughs> flow went. Verse seven, uh, uh, why don't you read it for us, man, if you got it? Yeah. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. This treasure in jars of clay. There's some translations that say we have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? That's a fancy way of saying a clay jar or a clay pot. And we know back in the day, that's what they would use, a clay pot to fill with water uh, for cooking, for ser- serving, or mm-hmm. even a lamp would, would be made out of clay. You'd have oil in it and a tiny little hole at the top and you know, put a wick in it or whatever. But the, but the idea came that, that this treasure, what is the treasure? A relationship with God, this light, this knowledge, this glory, 
the light of the world living in me, the knowledge of God and that he loves us and that he came to save us. He sent his son to die for us. Um, he's the embodiment of love. All of the glory that is Jesus. That's a treasure. Mm. And it's more than gold or platinum. <laughs> and it lives in me. Yeah. I'm a piece of crap. <laughs> I just said that on the podcast. Yeah. Am I going to get in trouble? I'm going to definitely cut it out and make it just a single piece of audio. I'm that <laughs> is just you saying, I'm Did a that piece just of become crap. a meme? <laughs> I'm a piece of crap. Right? Right? It's like, uh, uh, yeah. So we have this treasure in jars of clay in you mm. and me because yeah. we make mistakes, we fail, we sin. Yeah. It, uh, but it says, why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Mm -hmm. So that I can say, yes, I have this treasure. Oh, but you're not worthy. I don't need you to tell me I'm not worthy. But that's proof that the power comes from God. And, and it's not something that I generated. If I'm generating performance, if I'm generating duty, if I'm managing my sin, if I'm you know, polishing myself up to look good, then it comes from me. Mm -hmm. and, I, and the sad thing is, that's exactly what religion is. Mm -hmm. Religion is, I make me look good. So God has to love me and that you'll think I'm something. Yep. Gospel says, God is good. Mm -hmm. Remember even that young guy that came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus' response was, why do you call me good? Only God is good. <laughs> Now, yeah. Jesus is God. It was a play on words, which right. is, he knew he was God. Yeah. And he was saying, yeah, you're right. I yeah. am good. And he wasn't gloating or trash talking. All of us are born in sin. Scripture yep. says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only one who's never sinned is Christ himself. Yeah. Let me take a breath. What do you think of that so far? Yeah. No, I think it just, it brings so much out, just this idea that ultimately my salvation, my Christian walk, all of this is now hidden in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Mm. Um, I, I, when, when God looks at me, he no longer sees this sinner, but he sees Christ. He sees his bloodshed on the cross. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's Galatians 2, I think. I might have just mm -hmm. made that up. Um, but it's just this whole, this, this huge picture of how it's not about me anymore. Yeah. And there's so much freedom in that. I think that's the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And why is that freeing? Because it's no longer about me. Yeah, because it's no longer I. And I think that when we look at the life of Paul, often when I was first getting still to this day, man, what did that dude have figured out that I can't figure out? Hmm. Why was he able to do the things he did? Why was he able to to go to the places he went? Why was he able to withstand the things he withstood? And I think ultimately what it boiled down to was he understood it wasn't about him. And the pieces that were about him were the things of like, man, you know, what's about me, my weakness. And in the midst of that, God's even stronger. And I think just those pictures that are from Paul's ministry is such a reminder of this piece of being a cracked pot because Paul often points to the fact of, hey, Christ died to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. That's right. I was, I was actually yeah. just looking that up. <laughs> yeah. It's at uh, first, first uh, Timothy chapter one yep. where, where he said, Here, here's a trustworthy saying, yeah. Christ died to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Yeah. I think he says, I am. Yeah. He, he didn't say I was. No, he says, I'm the worst. And what I love about yeah. what I love about that too is then he goes on to say and it's so and he's essentially whenever you break that whole piece down is he's not just acknowledging I'm the worst sinner ever, but in the midst of that he acknowledges and that just proves how good God is. Yes. And I think just all of that stuff is what comes to mind when we think when we talk about that verse of cracked pots, when I think about the idea of cracked pots, all of that is there's just so much 
freedom and self-denial mm-hmm. because acknowledging that I'm a cracked pot is acknowledging that I'm going to deny myself. And the only way I'm going to do this thing is if God's a part of it. Yeah. The only way that I can be a part of this whole thing, the only way this, this thing that we call the tabernacle, the church continues moving forward is if we all submit to God. And I think that that's that beautiful picture um, is it's everybody kind of attempting, right? Sometimes we screw it up, um, but attempting to place ourselves rightly mm-hmm. in in positioning in the kingdom. Right. And so that's yeah. that. So, so two examples jump into my head and it's your fault because you brought them up. It's all good. Uh, we're, I want to talk about Paul, but first I want to talk about Peter. When you said we're, we're always trying to position ourselves in such a way. So I'm not going to look it up, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to summarize it for you. Um, growing up in the church, going to Sunday school or youth group or whatever, we would, um, hear a Bible story. Did they use the felt thing? Oh yeah. Wall? I'm old. I'm that old. I remember felt boards. Yeah. And paper boards. And the guy was always facing the same way. Why is Jesus looking that way and not looking at the guy? It was, yeah, well, whatever. And, and then, yeah, you, you were blessed with veggie tales, but, uh, um, that a blessing? you, you would, you would always hear a Bible story. And in the Bible story, the hero would be Elijah or the hero would be Moses or the hero would be Peter or the hero would be Paul. Now, you may see a little bit of their bad stuff, but then they came to here and now you should be like a Peter mm-hmm. and, or now you should be like a Paul. The story of the gospel is no, now you should be like Jesus. Right. Right. So Peter, for example, if you read any of the gospels, you see his failings, he and the rest of the disciples. And one of the common arguments is, you know, they were looking for the kingdom and they believe Jesus is the Messiah and he's bringing the kingdom and he's talking about kingdom and they didn't realize it was an upside down kingdom. And they always start arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Right, they're always laying, and that's about position. Yeah. Hey, who may you know? I'm pretty important, and you know, he called me first. We called me. Well, he trust me with the money. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Judas. You know. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, I mean, you get Peter. <laughs> Peter is on. You know, in Matthew 16, he says, "Who do people say that I am?" And Peter's the one who says, "I think you're the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And he goes, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for this was not revealed to you by men, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, on this rock, I'll build my church, mm-hmm. meaning the rock of the gospel that he is the Christ. But also, he changes his name to Peter. He's going to be the leader. You're going to be the leader when I'm gone, da 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 And then we see Peter's moment of weakness, you know, when he denies that he even knew Jesus three times. And then he sees the risen Lord. Oh, there was a little moment there where he didn't quite believe. You know, the ladies yeah. were like, he's risen. He's like, are you sure? I don't quite believe. And they're locked in the upper room after the resurrection. And then they see him, right? And, and remember, Jesus had told them to go fishing. Yeah. Or sorry, to, to, to go fish for men. Yeah. Instead, they went to go fishing for fish. Yeah. John chapter 21. Yeah. He's like, what are you guys doing here? You're fishing again? Yeah. All right. Think, you like, know, the whole, do you love mm-hmm. me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And so now Peter should get it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Going to the book of Acts, he's still not preaching to Gentiles. Okay, then the the whole you know, if you know in the book of Acts and I'm going fast, yeah. I'm, hopefully I'm just encouraging people to read their Bibles. Yep. When he has the vision and there's a picnic blanket that comes from heaven with unclean animals and the voice says, Kill and eat. Praise God. That's my life verse. That's your life verse, <laughs> kill and eat. Right. And he doesn't. Surely not, Lord, I'm a Jew. Yeah. And I God's gotta be up there going, I thought I told this guy it's right. about it's not about Jew or Greek, Gentiles. Yep. Oh, okay. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. And so now he gets the lesson. Now Peter's arrived. No. Because yep. then we go to the Council of Jerusalem where when he was with Jewish guys, he's eating kosher. And when he's with you and me, he's yeah. eating bacon. Right. And he has to be called out by Paul. So we get this idea 
that Peter's in process the entire, yeah. you know, th- through the Gospels and the book of Acts, right? Mm-hmm. He's always in process. Yeah. Same thing with Paul. Paul has this, if you read the book of Acts, has this huge fight uh, over John Mark. Mm. He and Barnabas were like the super crew. You know, they're changing the world, planting churches, missionaries, and then uh, uh, they have a falling out. I mean, if you read the Bible carefully, uh, Paul and Barnabas disagreed, and it says it was so strong that they parted ways. Yeah. Barnabas took off with John Mark because he wanted to give him a second chance. Paul was being a good Pharisee. You know, this guy sold us out. Yeah. He could never be in leadership again because he sold us. I mean, how many times you heard that in a church, right? Well, he forgets that moment, too, where he's standing there, and all the disciples are saying the same thing about him. Exactly. Oh, excellent point. you forget those moments where, where... God's grace was real for you, but you don't want it to be real for other people Ooh, because of there's how a they sermon hurt you that. or how. So whatever. you're talking about when Paul first became a Christian. Absolutely. Yeah. And they show up and uh, they're picking the new ones or I can't remember who brought him. It's an ax. Somebody brought him and they're like, well, this guy. Ananias. Yeah. I No, is it Ananias? Yeah. It's one of those guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah he's yeah, standing yeah, there and they're that, yeah. like, this guy. And, uh, but I mean, he forgets that moment. You know, there was a ton of anxiety walking into that room. Yeah, dude was there when they killed Stephen. He was there, like, like this dude is this is Pharisee Saul. among all Pharisees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, but then in that moment when somebody else fails, he forgets the grace he's received. That's right. Yeah, and then and then there's this beautiful picture just to let Paul off the hook. Right. You know, then we get to the end of his life. Uh, one of his last letters, he says, and by the way, send me John Mark. Mm-hmm. Send me John Mark. He he's he's been a good help to me, and I need him here. And so we see this beautiful picture yeah. of reconciliation. My whole point with the rant. And with those stories that we're trying to share is even our heroes, be like Peter, be like Paul, all throughout their lives, we still see that there's, there's, there's a level of yeah. brokenness. And, and, and the last one I'll give you on Paul is uh, when, when, he, when he's talking about the vision he had from heaven, when he said, uh, you know, I had this vision of hev- heaven and um, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, Right to keep me from becoming conceited. Mm. So God allows Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, to be afflicted with a thorn in his flesh. What is that thorn? Scholars have been arguing about that forever. You know, and some are like bad eyesight, you know, health issues. I wonder if he had a temper. Mm. I wonder, because it was something to keep him from becoming conceited. Right. Well, if you got bad eyesight, that's, that doesn't make you proud. Mm. Or if you've got just some physical affliction, or you know that doesn't make you humble, I should say. Right. But if but if there's something glaring mm. that you keep doing, and you just can't find victory over it, that'll keep you low. I mean, yeah. if you ever sinned, right. and you're just like, "Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I did it again." Yeah, I I wonder, you know, and and you can email me if you disagree, but <laughs> right. it's like I yeah. My point is, they're not perfect. No, for sure. My favorite story from John 21 with Peter is. Beautiful moment of reconciliation with Jesus on the beach. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes. They're gonna. There's gonna become a day where you used to dress yourself. They're gonna dress you. All this stuff. Follow me. Awesome. And then he sees John, and he's like, "What about him? What about him?" And Jesus is like, "Dude, what is that to been you?" Fifteen minutes. <laughs> like, you follow me. Yeah. And I think there's just those subtle reminders that in this journey of serving God and being a cracked pot. One of the worst things I can do is start, this is a weird way to say this, yeah. but start comparing my cracks to other people's. That's right. No, that's <laughs> right. That is a weird way yeah. of saying it. But, but I, yeah. I, I Start I comparing feel my sin, um, my experience with grace, all mm-hmm. of this stuff with other people's. Well, my story's not like that, right? 
I don't have that much redemption, or at least I don't sin like that, right? There's all sides of the story. Right. But I think that that is the one of the largest mistakes that we make um, as Christians today is we, it's comparison. Mm-hmm. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison kills contentment. It just, it comparison kills a ton of things. Right. And we live in a culture today that that is literally all we do. Yeah. That That is, I mean, I have right here on my phone, I have a box down here with one, two, three, four, five apps mm. that at the end of the day are just comparison. Are they social media apps? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's five apps right yeah. there at the touch of a button that I can just compare myself to and, other people. And what is that thing that you you and you and I heard in a in a in a Bible study group we were in one time mm-hmm. where the guy said the problem with what you see on social media is you're comparing what you don't know about the person in that picture with what you do know about yourself. Yeah. And you're always, I mean, they're having more fun. They had a better dinner. Yep. They they took a picture of their little dessert or their vacation <laughs> yeah. and every and they took it four times right right they had that selfie up I'm gonna get it right oh no that's not right or right. they used a filter they made it skinny they did the lighting yeah. just right and then it's completely a lie yeah it's completely a lie it's just a, that idea of like comparing yourself to someone else's highlight reel yeah and uh, and I and I think that that is a huge piece where people struggle with being cracked pots is we assume no one else is one yeah I'm the only cracked pot. Yeah. I'm the only one that's oh, still you're struggling yep. with this. Which which is this is also why it wasn't just about legalism. Now 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 that you've opened that door, right. now it's all even f- some more thoughts are mm-hmm. flooding into why this was so important for us. It's not just grace for you. It's grace for me. Mm. What do people struggle with? It's it feels like or seems like more than anything is their identity. Yeah. Their identity. Who am I? I mean, we're we're fighting wars about identity. There's a whole group of the population of the world right now that are their entire identity is wrapped up in their sexuality. Yeah. And they're completely confused by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about to to reduce your entire identity to your sexual preference. Mm. I'm gonna say it. That's a shallow person. Yeah. That is a shallow person who's obviously made sexuality a, a god, mm-hmm. small g, an idol, but that's a shallow person. Yeah. And that you can, I can reduce everything about you and your identity and what you're for and your politics comes down to your sexuality. And I think too, in all schemes, and I mean, in all realms, right? There are the people that obviously like, well, they're just being these bigots that are oh, against yeah. homosexuality. Yeah. No, there no. are people that are heterosexual that also are very shallow. There you go. Because yeah. they're ultra, they're just consumed with that as well. Right. And so it's all They've spectrums. made it a God yeah, just as well. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so this identity piece, when we say that we're crackpots, it's actually the first step towards self-acceptance. Mm. You know, what, what, what is that? I mean, you and I quote a lot of scripture where we don't know where it's from, <laughs> yeah. and I hope that gives people hope and doesn't yeah. frustrate you. Yeah. Use Google, okay? Because right. I'm not going to stop friend. and find it for you, yeah. right? <laughs> but um, but there's, a, there's a scripture, and for some reason, I can only remember it in the King James. Okay. And it's, and it's uh, can the clay say to the potter, why have you made me thus, mm. right? And so it's this whole idea of God made me this way, he made you that way. He gave. He, he decided he wanted you to be tall. Mm. He decided he wanted my height to be average. He wanted your stature to be big and imposing. He wanted me to not, you know, <laughs> right? And this this is going to sound weird, but we can we can beat ourselves up, mm-hmm. right? We can we can say, well, you know, Lord, I mean, could 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 I have a better ministry if I wasn't in this, you know, five ten you know, a little soccer body, right. you know, wouldn't it be better if I was like, what are you? Six, 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 six five, five, six, five, put me in that six, five body. 
And this is going to sound weird. It, and I, I was having a the pod, right. the earthen vessel, mm-hmm. why did you make me thus uh, moment years ago? Because I was watching another preacher preach and he was your size. He was intimidating people into the kingdom. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, give me that superpower. Yeah. And then I had this thought. I don't know if it was from God or if it was just something that I thought of. I know I have a sharp tongue. Mm-hmm. It is a sharp tongue. And I've, I've got to filter it mm-hmm. when I preach. Sometimes it gets unfiltered for God's glory. Right. And then it becomes more prophetic. I'm going to tell you the truth. Yep. It's going to be straight. You're not going to like this. You know, people will tell, tell me, oh, that sermon stepped on all my toes. Right. If I'm stepping on toes and I'm in a 6'5 body, that's too much. Right. It's almost like God said, I'm going to give you this really, really sharp weapon, mm-hmm. but I'm going to put you in this teeny little non-frightening dude. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's why right. or not, but it's learning, again, back to the main road here, to give grace to myself. Mm-hmm. This is the way God made me. This is who I am. I'm going to use my gifts for his glory. I don't have to compete. I don't have to compare. Yep. The sing- This is just what you're talking about, and this is where my head went for a second, so I have to say it so I can think about something else. Yeah. Um, the single best piece of advice I've ever gotten from you was, you can't just be a gunslinger. Gunslingers mm-hmm. hurt people. Yeah. And so from a preaching standpoint, if there's anybody listening that preaches, that was the single yeah. best piece of advice I've ever gotten is you just can't yeah. be a gunslinger. Somebody gave that to me yeah. and and there's there's something in you that reminds me of the way that I preach. And yeah. so from one gunslinger to another, <laughs> I see you. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. my, so gunslingers, this is a complete rabbit trail, but it's funny. So Brett Favre. Brett Favre, uh, yeah. Gets to, he gets to Green Bay. He is single, I mean, he's the first quarterback to his first pass in the NFL was an interception. Dude is, I mean- absolute gunslinger and i'll never forget i was watching this interview with him and peyton manning and he's talking about he was two years in to start being the starting quarterback in green bay and they start talking about the nickel defense and he's like nickel defense and yeah finally he's like we've been talking about this for like four or five days finally i had to ask one of the other quarterbacks what the heck is that what's the nickel defense and uh the guy goes hey that's just they just take out a linebacker and bring in another safety and he goes they just take out that's a they just sub somebody else in and the guy's like <laughs> Yeah, and Brett Favre looks at this guy and he goes, who gives a crap? <laughs> and that's how I feel sometimes when guys are like, but did you know this word meant this? Yeah, and yeah, that, <laughs> in the Greek. Yeah, and it's like, like, bro, but I speak English. Yeah. <laughs> I love that analogy. Uh, yeah. I'm stealing that. Yeah. yeah. I get Brett Favre even more now yep, than I got absolutely. him before. So, yeah. But that identity piece that you were talking about, I think is key um, yeah. in Cracked Pots and in the Christian life. Um, and Ephesians two, obviously mm-hmm. there's where we all, or Ephesians one is where we always point people for that identity piece. But even found in Ephesians two is that I, that whole tie in all happens there, I think. But right. Ephesians one, I mean, there's all of it, right? You're a saint, you're adopted, you're yes. redeemed. Yeah. We kind of call that the identity chapter. All yeah. the things, all the blessings that we have in Christ, you can list right there in Ephesians yep. one. Yep. One of my favorite things was the fight club I'm doing right now. We started in Ephesians one. That's because most of these guys had done the first Timothy. So we jumped into Ephesians one and looking at grown men and seeing how uncomfortable they get. Yeah. When you say all those things about them. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's how God feels about you, dude. Yeah. And how much we struggle with that. Why do you think that as Christians, we struggle hearing those things sometimes? As Christian men, especially, mm-hmm. um, we struggle hearing. And women. Yeah. 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 But why do you think that is? If you just had to, in your years of ministry, doing ministry with Because of with all people, the stuff we've talked about. Yeah. Grace for other people, not grace for ourselves. Or we want grace for ourselves and not for other mm-hmm. people. Or we believe the gospel for you and not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have this performance-based, it seeps in even into gospel preaching churches, this performance-based Christianity mm-hmm. that, that, that 
what I do determines how much he loves me or if I'm accepted. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the girls' soccer season right now, and we have a brand new player who's never played the game. She's never done any sport at all. I'm not going to say her name, but she's a sweet little girl, right? She's a, she's a freshman, love this girl, um, just like all the players on my team. She works so hard, and she's got potential, but she's never kicked a ball in her life. And she'll swing and miss and fall right over, right? Or she, she spends more time on the ground falling over the ball. Mm-hmm. But when she does something, it's amazing, and we celebrate it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't hear any of the things we celebrate. She's just over there in tears during a little water break because I'm terrible. And I'm like, you've played the game exactly five days. <laughs> You're doing fine, yeah. right? You're doing fine. And so all of us do that when it comes like to the Christian life. We focus on the stuff that we don't get right. And we forget the fact that we're saved. And we forget the fact, if, if you're not sure we're talking about Ephesians 1, a great exercise, read Ephesians chapter 1 and circle every little thing that that chapter says about those who are in Christ, that we're blessed, we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're adopted, mm-hmm. um, that we have an inheritance, yeah. that um, you know we can make implications, that we're royalty, mm-hmm. that Christ is our brother. You were saying to watch grown men struggle mm-hmm. over a word. We paused in Ephesians 1 on the word la- lavished. Yep, so do we. What does it mean to be lavished with yeah. God's grace? That's like... All the grace you need, plus all the grace you don't need, plus the grace you didn't even think you wanted, yeah. and it's just like this, like a waterfall. Yeah. And I watched a guy get wrecked, mm. and for the next three weeks, he would just come in and go lavished, <laughs> like that was the only <laughs> word he remembered right. was because la- no one had ever lavished anything right. on him, not lavished love or mm-hmm. or praise or any anything like that. And so all of this relates back to this idea of crackpots, mm-hmm. you know, which it, which it says again in in Second Corinthians four. Um, it says, uh, to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Mm. You mentioned cracks because earthen vessels crack. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes these cracks in us, in our, in our personhood, mm-hmm. sometimes there's things I do. Mm. Sometimes it's the things other people have done to me. Right. Maybe there's been pain, hurt. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you've been burned. Maybe you've been abused. Yeah. Maybe you've been cheated on, lied about, ostracized, cast out. Mm-hmm. There's these cracks, you know, your worst mistakes everybody knows about. You know, you had to do rehab, whatever it is. Another beauty of God's grace, being in earthen vessels that crack themselves and get cracked by others, is as, as Tim and Heidi talk about a lot is if, if the light and the knowledge of the glory of Christ, his light lives in us, sometimes the light shines the brightest mm-hmm. through those cracks, yeah. right? And, and as Tim's uh, uh, mom said, uh, God rest her soul, I mean, she's gone on to be with the Lord. When she first heard about this, she's a pastor's wife from yeah. Traverse City, she said, if people follow you around long enough, eventually you'll see their cracks. <laughs> And then she got the joke and started, she almost fell over laughing about it. And so that's always become that's a part awesome. of it, you know, that, yeah, you've, you spend enough time. Benjamin, right over there in the corner, he and I live in the same house. Yep. He, he knows more of my cracks than you do, and I know all his cracks because right. whatever, <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. But what did, what, did, what did Darcy say to you when, when we were in the hiring process, yeah, right? sitting in the basement, and you're like, Darcy, tell him something that he needs to know about the tabernacle. And uh, she just said, he's going to let you down. We're going to let you down. 
the church is going to let you down. Are you okay with that? Yeah. And it was just that moment of like, yeah. That's crackpot. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Because it gave me permission as well to let you guys down. 100%. And I don't know if that she knew that's what she was doing for me in that moment, but the last context I was in, awesome church, doing awesome things, seeing lives changed all the time, whatever. Um, Not whatever. That sounded like I don't care about them, yeah, but I'm no. here now. And, yeah. uh, but ultimately what it was, was there was just this space where it was like, I can't let these people down. Mm. But I think that freedom that comes from, no, we're going to let each other down. And we're all going to understand that that's just a process and a part of being a part of this team. Right. And uh, that's actually something that has been and given a lot of hope to hope yeah. in this process of coming and joining this church and being a pastor's wife um, at this church. It's just, it's just this idea. And Tim and Heidi said it so beautifully to her. It was just this picture of like, no, we're not interested in that. We're not interested in your performance. We're not asking you to come here and be perfect. Mm. We just... We just want everybody to come. And the best thing Tidy or Tim said was, well, we didn't, we're not hiring you. We hired him. Yeah. And so that was a big freedom piece. You too. don't have to be but, this little perfect yeah. pastor's wife. Yeah. You know. But just, I mean, all that stuff, just those, those pictures, but something else that came to mind when we were talking about those cracks that happen from other people or from ourselves. But I wonder, and maybe this isn't your experience, but maybe you've heard of other people that this experience has happened or if, it, if it's just me, it's just me. And that's fine. Um, I know often sometimes as well, when I have, when other people kind of cause these cracks, at my worst, I can associate those cracks with the character of God. Yeah. And not like, so his character traits and what he does. And so that's another piece that has always been a decent little struggle of surrendering those things completely to him, mm-hmm. figuring out who he is completely. So like in those moments of performance-based acceptance, understanding, no, this isn't who God is. Right. But it's really easy for those cracks to become scars or whatever. and and yep. it's just this thing that, no, that's how I view, that's the lens that I view the gospel through now. Right. And so, I don't know, and yeah. have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. And 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 as as you were saying that, it reminded me, Jesus knew that this wasn't going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a whole bunch of imperfect people together, a bunch of crackpots that have unveiled faces, but hold the light and the, the knowledge and the glory of the face of Christ living in us, right? So that just beaming out. Mm-hmm. Some of us have bigger cracks than others, right? <laughs> or more than others, but that's us, and we're all bumping up against each other, and yeah. it's a big mess. He anticipated this was going to happen. Right. Uh, the second place that church is mentioned, the word church, ecclesia, the first place is Matthew 16 in mm-hmm. the Gospels, because before that, there was temple, there was tabernacle, but there wasn't church, the ecclesia, the gathering of believers. First place is Matthew 16. Second place is Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus says, if your brother offends you, now this is the great thing about uh, the New Testament or this is all of scripture. You got to take all of it. Mm -hmm. So what does that have to do with grace? Jesus says, if your brother offends you, well, that happens all the time. We hurt each other. We misunderstand each other. uh, We're selfish. We're, we're full of pride. We're not humble towards each other. Disunity. Usually, I mean, how many times we've got to hear a story of, oh, the last church hurt me and, you know, church hurt. I've been hurt by church. You've right. been hurt by church. And it's always this fast, yeah. right? Um, and I've been the hurt people have had from a church. And I've, and I've been the hurter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've been the hurter. So Jesus yeah. says, if your brother offends you or sins against you, specifically, go to your brother alone. Yeah. Well, what do we do? We don't want to do that. We don't, we want to have God's grace for us. But if you think about how hard that is to go to your brother and say, you know what, Britain, when you said that, that offended me. You know, when you said that, that hurt me. Sometimes you just got to go to the firehouse and yell at each other. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But 
that takes grace. Oh yeah. To b- go or both do that, but also to receive it. So Jesus says, if if you go to your brother, go to him alone, and he says, if he listens, you have regained your brother. Mm-hmm. That's oh man, that's beautiful gospel. We ha- oh, if the church would just do that. Yeah. Now and then and the and the rest of the recipe is simple. He says, well, if your brother doesn't listen to you. Then you go again, but you take two or three witnesses or, or, or take one or two people with you so that everything can be established with witnesses. Right. I, w- I think most of the time you're not going to need to do step two. Don't even get to that part. But if you do, most of the time you're not going to get to step three. Mm-hmm. Jesus says in Matthew 18, if he still won't listen, then you take him to the church. Meaning, if there's no waste of words in scripture, that's what church discipline is. Mm-hmm. That's when it goes to the pastors. Yep. That's when it goes to the elders. That's when people get together and they make a decision about this sin or what have you. Man, if we would just do that, but those are crackpots. I mean, Jesus is anticipating crackpots aren't always going to get along. Mm-hmm. You know, in John chapter 13 through 17, the, you know, the Last Supper, mm-hmm. he, he's praying that we would be one, that we would be unified, that we would stay together. He says, the world will know, mm-hmm. the world will know that you're mine yeah. by the way you love one another. And in, in, in a world where churches are dividing and they're tearing apart and people are hurting each, each other, that's why the crackpot message, I think, is so important. And what I love too, uh, this is an absolute bunny trail that I just saw, is the verse that people love to utilize um, and love to weaponize for not going to church, which is, Matthew eighteen twenty for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, I among you. That's how Jesus closed out how to have proper conflict exactly. with the people that have hurt you. Yes. And it's like, yeah, but did you read the top? Did yeah. You, did, did you read the context? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that's a really cool piece that people miss is that idea of like, well, if I'm just hurt, I'll just go away. And I just need two or three people that agree with me and we can be church. No. And that's not at all what Jesus was talking no, about. No, it's two or three witnesses within the church, yeah. which might be a big church. Yeah. Because I've, I've also heard people... You know, quote that verse in the context of, well, this is why we want to justify that big churches are bad and, yep. and big churches anything more than what I can fit in my living room. Mm. And I got nothing against house churches. I love you, Francis Chan, and your house church movement. That's great. Yeah. But it isn't either or. Yeah. To, to I'm not talking about Francis Chan now. I'm talking about the people that church is only church if it's like the New Testament church. Right. The New Testament church was jacked up. <laughs> And and by the way, the first ever church was about 2,000 people that got saved on one day. Yep. Or was it 3,000? Whatever. At Pentecost, right? Thousands of people. You had an instant mega church. Peter went off. Right? You had multi-site churches. Yeah. You know, when Paul sent one of these letters, it was a circular letter. He yeah. didn't send it to the one church in Thessalonica. Right. Or to the one church in Ephesus. They were meeting in a lot of different places. And it's like- you know, to the church in Ephesus. Exactly. Yeah. So you had to read it at your and campus, and I had to read it at my campus. And this guy, yeah, yeah we're all reading at different campuses because they didn't have LED screens and Matt Hughes, right? right? So the point is, Jesus anticipated these things, and if we would show more grace to one another, mm. if we would realize I'm just as messed up as you are, Jesus said, uh, when or, or sorry, to his disciples when he taught them how to pray. When he taught them the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Uh, when you get to the end, it says, and forgive us our trespasses as we, forgive. as we forgive those who trespass against us. In one of the gospels, I think, I want to say it's Mark or, or, or maybe it's uh, Matthew. After that, he gives an explanation. He says, because if you will not forgive your brother, 
neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, there's a piece in the Sermon on the Mount as well where he tells them, um, don't come worship unless you be, I'm more concerned with you being reconciled to your brother than for you to come and worship. Um, And there's that huge piece of just like, there's a, Jesus puts a huge, huge stake in the ground on forgiveness and reconciliation in the life of believers and unity in the midst of that. Um, So yeah, I think that's a huge piece. Yeah. just for the people listening, though, so I always think this is good to differentiate. Um, what's the difference in forgiveness and reconciliation? And uh, why is there a time to do one and not the other? Okay, without sitting in my study and crafting right. the perfect, yeah. you know, there's always just the knee-jerk yep. thing, is when I forgive, um, I release you from me getting my pound of flesh. Mm-hmm. So in other words, I release you from my judgment, my punishment, from my needing something from you. When I forgive you, it also frees up space in my head. So now I'm not obsessing about the way you hurt me. Yep. Now it's like, you know what? I, I release that, that hurt. I forgive you. And I don't even have to say the words. I don't even have to say the words, yep. right? Um, it, it can be forgiveness from afar. Reconciliation is when the relationship is put back together. Yep. So you can forgive somebody and not reconcile. And there's some people that you can never reconcile with mm-hmm. because it's unsafe. Yeah. Because you have to have boundaries because they don't know how to stop hurting you. Yep. But forgiveness is required. Reconciliation is not. Mm-hmm. Reconciliation is not required. And so, you know, even back to that, why, why does God place such a premium on, on that? Because he paid such a high price mm-hmm. for us to be forgiven. That's why as a parent, when I see one of my children offend another one of my children, and they don't seek forgiveness or they don't choose to forgive or they don't ask for forgiveness. You know, when they don't say, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that hurts a parent yeah. because you know what you've done in order uh, to put your child uh, or how much you've had to forgive and put up with, with this child. It's like, <laughs> man, I wiped your butt when you were little, you know, you know how many times I had to forgive you for pooping in your diaper <laughs> and you can't uh, forgive him or you can't forgive her or right. whatever that looks like. Yeah. And so, that's a, that's a really bad example, but think about how much God had to uh, close the gap between yeah. our performance and his holiness, and he's saying the least you sinners can do yeah. is forgive, forgive each, each other. other. Yeah. yeah. You know? That's good. So uh, there's there's also some other verses that 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 are pertinent. Um, you know, probably my favorite, the one uh, I think you were going to, but we took so many bunny trails, but- That's our in, podcast. <laughs> this is your podcast. In Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, mm. where it reminds us, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Mm. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Mm. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace through faith, and it's a complete gift. It's not performance-based so that comes into play with crackpots yep. too, yep. that this isn't something that I earn. And even by performing, this is not something I can keep by performing. Yeah. It's a complete gift. Yep. You know? Absolutely. And then verse 10, I think is key too, is that's what we work out of. We work out of that free gift. We don't work for it. We work out of it. And uh, Explain that because I love the fact, we talked about this weeks ago, I was quoting in 289, I think we were in a preacher, in a content yeah. meeting and you were like, and don't forget 10. People always leave out 10 and you got me because it's like, yeah, I do. Yeah. Because I memorized eight and nine because right. I was looking about salvation. Yeah. B- break it down while no, you like I 10. think just that piece for me that in the midst of eight and nine being the, the most, I mean, life transforming thing that I hear in scriptures that it's by grace 
through faith that I'm saved so that no one can boast. But out of that, for me to recenter myself, that because of that, the result of that is my desire to now serve Jesus with everything I have, to give him my absolute yes. And that's not just a yes that leads to eternity. That's yes that leads to um, getting after it, getting getting to oh, work, good. doing yeah. things like that. And from that, when I'm doing those things, I think that um, this labor that comes out of that love is one that doesn't lead to burnout. It's one that doesn't lead to... Um, yeah, I think that that's the key. But whenever you see people that are burning out and all that stuff, I would always ask the question, what are you working from? Is this, is this built out of you're still trying to earn it? Mm. Or is this a response to what you've already been freely given? Yeah. And I think that those are the keys because there are times when you're just grinding it out in ministry and uh, things are just going great. And it's life-giving and um, serving people, going to work and being a domino. And week in and week out, it's like, man, I'm doing 40 hours and I've never had this much energy in my life. Mm. And there's just this new energy that comes from working out of the freedom that we've been so freely given. Right. And it's not one that's like, man, I got to grind it out so that God will keep loving me. And right. It's just this idea. And so I think it's just the, yeah, And I th- but I think it's key. Yes, and it's I, a huge. And I think it's tied in there directly because it's really easy for us to passively sit in our convictions rather than to actively get, get to work. Mm-hmm. Because I love the free gift, but if that free gift has actually been received, what verse 10 tells me, what the book of James tells me, is that a result of that is works. Right. Re- faith without works yeah. is dead. And it's yeah. not a, that James wasn't saying, get to work so I know you have faith. He's saying, no, if you really have faith, you can't help but work. You can't help but want to it's, serve. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, a side effect of that faith. Exactly. Right? It's something you cannot avoid. Right. It's the simple fact of you eat Chick-fil-A every day of the week, sooner or later, you're going up a pant size. Exactly. Right? If you're fully surrendered to this gospel. Hey, is that a fat joke? Is that a warning? Huh? No, no, that wasn't directed at oh, you. That was just more sweet to hear. I know how I got here, all right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just that picture that through this now, so, because I love the the words are important in Scripture, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Right. That's why we were created. We were created. The gift was to spawn something in Yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so this, this is also a perfect springboard uh, back to Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans uh, 5, uh, that whole chapter breaks down how we're justified by faith, mm-hmm. that we're not justified by works. So justified means made right with God. So we're made right with God simply by faith. Uh, in, in Romans 5, verse 6, it says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Mm-hmm. Um, in verse 8, he says, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that we stopped sinning and then he said, okay, now they're worthy to die for. When we were worthless, in the middle of our sin, he died for us. We're only justified by yeah. faith. Yeah. And so that's all of chapter five. Then you get to chapter six. The very first verse says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And here's an exclamation point. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And then it goes on to make a case uh, in, in verse seven. He says, "No one who has died has been set, for one who has died has been set free from sin." In verse twelve, it says, "Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life." Hmm. So it's just furthering that idea that being a crackpot and admitting that I'm a crackpot and saying I'm saved by grace through faith that it's only by faith, right? That doesn't give me a pass 
to sin. Mm -hmm. It doesn't give me license because the opposite of legalism, which we broke down at the beginning of the podcast, which is I'm justified by following a set of rules, whatever those rules are. And you don't have to come out of the holiness tradition to be a legalist. Oh, they're legalists in every denomination. Every denomination, because it's it's religion is what it is. So here's a set of rules that I follow. That's legalism. The opposite is license. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I prayed a prayer and I got dunked in the water and I go to church pretty much all the time. Oh, look, we're all sinners saved by grace yeah. and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. That goes back to what you were saying. Were you really saved? Yeah. Have you really, rec- see, I think the true, the saved person has a recognition of his or her unworthiness. Yeah. People say all the time, I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. True. You yeah. are. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. You're unworthy and he saved you. Don't stay stuck there. Mm-hmm. Say, I'm unworthy and I'm saved. I can't believe it. I can never pay that back, but I want to do something. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, you can make up illustrations like this. If uh, if uh, somebody magically came in, this b- just burst in the dungeon right now and uh, said, hey, I got a check for each one of you. All right. Each one of you uh, is going to get $10 million. I don't care what you do with it. Tax free. $10 million for Britain. $10 million for Benjamin, $10 million for me, tax-free. That's all. And he just lived down the street. Are we then in response? I don't know what you're going to do with your $10 million. I'm going to go get a new truck. You're going to get it for <laughs> sure. For sure. Please get a new truck. You need a new truck. Oh, my goodness. That's a complete different bunny trail. Benjamin's going to buy everything at Springfield Armory, you know, or whatever he can find at the hunting store at Sportsman Warehouse. Benji would own Jays. He would own Jays. Oh yeah, Jays. He's gonna be classier for and sure. A, and yeah. put the five guys in the front of it. Oh in inside of yeah. it would he be even yeah, better, absolutely. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but how would I then treat that guy when I saw him around town? Would I ignore him? Right. Would I speak badly of him? Would I do things that would hurt him? <laughs> I mean I mean if that guy came in and said, Oh, this is gonna hurt. I mean if that guy came in and said Hey, um, do you think you could give me one weekend a month uh, with my Tab Kids program? <laughs> <laughs> or could you, hey, could you go on a trip, uh, you know, and tell people about me? Right. Would you be like, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a dumb analogy, but it's the truth of how someone who gives themselves license to do whatever they want. Yep. How would you treat someone who gave you the most unbelievable, unrepayable gift ever? I think with adoration and worship and service Mm -hmm. and praise and glory, I would not speak ill of that guy. I don't care who he was. Right. Like that guy wrote, man, $30 million and we got to split it three ways and I got a brand new soccer field, you know, (laughs) AstroTurf and a stadium. What's going on? Yeah. Go Buckley Bears. No, for sure. And I think too, um, because I think often that is the common, what I've seen uh, just in my short time of being here is that's often the common misconception of the idea of cracked pots. Is it's just, oh, so you're just a church that does whatever you want. You know, it's cool to do those things. It's, and it's like, no, but you're missing. That's a yeah. miss. And so I think ultimately it's a recognition of how unworthy we are and how worthy he is. Mm. Um, and I think that ultimately what it boils down to is it's not an excuse to sin. It's an acknowledgement of who I used to be. And that through Ooh, that. Ooh, that was good. And, it's, and through that, now I have an opportunity that I can take that and I can go and I can go do what Tin said and get to work. So that people can see how good God is, if yeah. He can use that guy, right? And that's essentially what Paul said whenever he says, um, "Christ died to save sinners, of who I'm the worst, so that um, ultimately His glory may be known more." And that's mm. a, the worst paraphrase of all time. But essentially, what he's breaking down is people are going to see me and say, "Man, if Jesus can change that guy's life, 
Mm. He'll, he'll flip mine definitely upside down then. Right. And I think that that's the cool picture of a church filled with crackpots is that when people look at it and they say, man, if they can do it, I can be a part of that. I can get in that fight. So, so, so there's a little part of my brain that a couple of minutes ago, you know, that little meme you want to make where I, I said into a mic and you, now you have a video. I said, I'm a piece of crap. Right. <laughs> I know that may have offended somebody. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that's like, Oh, somebody's going to say, you probably shouldn't say that. That's not very godly. That's not very holy. Um, I'm thinking about the time when Paul mm-hmm. wrote inspired by the Holy spirit. All of my righteousness is as filthy, filthy rags. rags. Mm. Um, what he said was way more uncouth. If you understand what filthy rags really meant. Yeah. What filthy, I mean, and you can look it up, what filthy rags really meant. He was being way more uncouth in Holy Scripture than I was. Yeah. But that goes back to what you were saying. That's, that's me in comparison to a holy God. Yeah. Now... I can understand and respond. Mm-hmm. So because this is the podcast, I'm just going to go there. Um, in the, hist- the, re- or in the, the history of this church, there was a season where the leadership um, had a certain bent and they were more towards the holiness legalism type side. And when I first started dating uh, uh, this Darcy person who was from this town, I am not, uh, um, I remember us having conversations about theology mm-hmm. and her saying that a sermon she would regularly hear from the pulpit was against this heretical idea of eternal security. Well, we don't associate with that church because they believe in eternal security or we don't believe in those people because they believe in eternal security. And I, I you know, growing up in the ghetto, I kind of understand the, de- the denominational teams and kind of where that comes from. And it's interesting to me, why is there this huge separation? Well, one is focused on performance and one is focused on grace. The problem is, is there's a misunderstanding of what the one team means by eternal security. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, eternal security is this idea that once you're saved, you're always saved and nothing can pluck you from God's hand. No amount of sin and no amount of lostness. You could be the prodigal and you're still God's Mm -hmm. kid, no matter what happens. That's eternal security. Well, if you ask someone who believes in eternal security that is legit, like a legit Christian, if you pointed to person X and say, oh, but, but why does that person just live licentiously and wickedly and just sins all the time? Because when they were a little kid, they got saved and, you know, at VBS and got baptized and they think they can do whatever they want. The eternal security person will say, well, maybe he or she was never saved in the first place. <laughs> They'll say that. Yeah. Which that's probably a good answer. Yeah. Right. But you ask the legalist person, what's your problem with it? The one that wants to control. Mm. I don't know if I'm making sense. You do all the yep, checkbox. The reason they can't stand eternal security stuff is because it's not about performance. Mm-hmm. And they're afraid that someone will take license. Yeah. The fact of the matter is the Bible teaches, Jesus said, <laughs> nothing and no one can pluck you from my hand. Mm-hmm. If Ephesians chapter one means anything, it says we are sealed mm-hmm. as a child of God. The Holy Spirit is a seal. You can't undo that. Now, I don't want to get into, you know, who's saved and who's not saved because I'm not God. However, that's where the dividing line comes, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm really saved, there's going to be a response. I'm not going to be perfect, but there's going to be a response. Yeah. 
But on the flip side, I don't have to continually earn it or I might accidentally misplace my salvation. And And people don't like to talk that way, but you got to talk plain. Yeah. What does the Bible say? And I think, too, with that picture of that person that thinks I'm still earning it, there's a shift that happens, at least in my experience, where it's no longer me doing these things and then always thinking about, am I earning it? Hmm. But it just becomes what I do, right? When I started serving in churches in Kansas, when I was going there, it wasn't, there was a shift in my life for about six months and there was, a, there was definitely some other stuff, but there was a shift where it was like, no, this is just what I do. And it's not about what I'm getting out of it. It's not about me earning anything. It, become, it became my second nature Yeah. that if I'm a part of a church, I'm going to serve that church. Right. And I'm going to do those things. And this isn't the great spiel of serve, whatever, but it is. Serve somewhere. Yeah. Serve Jesus. But yeah. it, it's all out of response of who he is and what he's doing. Right. And so, yeah, I think that, um, I think you said it really well. Um, I think that those are really clear um, descriptions of those things, things that can be. I hope it's helpful for somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Because there, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to think right now, the people that are listening, there's going to be some that are way hard on themselves mm-hmm. or you're way hard on other people. Or you might be not be hard enough. <laughs> you might not really be taking this gospel thing seriously. because yeah, it's something to be taken seriously. Yeah. We, we need to look at our sin. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of a mutual friend of ours who, when he shares his testimony, he, he had a different experience than I did. Mm-hmm. Mine, mine was more as a child, mm-hmm. and it was fear. It was the voodoo drums. Go listen to podcast one and two right. if you want to hear all about that. For him, he was in college, college football player. And when he finally understood the gospel, the Holy Spirit drawing him to himself— his eyes opened, and for the first time in his life, the way he puts it, he saw how his sins yep. hurt God, and he just started weeping uncontrollably in his bed, and he describes it graphically, all the tears rolling down his face and into his ears and filling them up because he started listing all the ways he had hurt God. Our sins are offensive to God, not mm-hmm. physically, we can't physically hurt God, but they're an offense to his holiness and his character, yeah. and when we understand that that's just how we were born, that's just what we do all the time. Mm-hmm. Ah, now when we start singing that song about this is amazing grace, mm-hmm. that's what those words really mean, yeah. that this grace is amazing. And that isn't even a good enough word to describe it. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, that is correct pots. pots. That is correct pots. We all are one. If you think you aren't, hang around long enough. and uh, We'll see your correct. Yeah, absolutely. So You'll see yeah. us too. I mean, Chick-fil-A, it's time. Look at that. You know, it's time. You know, no free time. shout outs here. It's no free shout outs, but it's time. It's time. Do you have a, Do you have a specific sauce that you prefer at Chick Fil A? Uh, well, I can't do the mustard thing. Um, you can't. No. Why? So, some some kind of you yeah, got an allergy yeah, it messes with me. So oh, okay. Yep, yeah. Sickest I've ever been was after the men's retreat in the UP when I ate those ribs that were coated with mustard beforehand. Oh, that's right. Uh, so barbecue. you hurled how many times on the way home? I think like six. And you were in Canada's truck. Yeah. And he kept, see that's a good man right right there. Yeah. But um, the other one is uh the barbecue sauce. Oh, you like the barbecue? Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm I'm a Chick Fil A sauce guy. Absolutely, I just would be on too. Everything and sometimes I'll risk it. Oh, you're, sometimes I wait, will. Wait, is there mustard in the Chick Fil A yeah. sauce? Oh, I didn't There's know that. There's actually mustard in like all of their sauces. Is it really? It, it's like honey mustard. It's yeah, not. it's like honey mustard barbecue sauce mixture thing. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but yeah, but sometimes before I started dating Hope, I would just risk it every time. You risk it and every then time. I'd just be you sick. just go for and the she's hope. like, "What are you doing? Quit." And I'm just fine. But I will say, hot take. I love ranch. I'm a Mm-hmm. At that point, I'm a Midwestern. I'm from Michigan and that love for ranch in that sense. Chick-fil-A's ranch is the worst ranch in the country. Oh. It's horrible. But have you had the avocado lime yeah. ranch? Yep. I oh, had a salad good. the other day no, there and saw it. Yeah. I like that. But, but no. fun fact, your boy's been taking these things seriously looking at nutrition. A package of avocado lime ranch 
is the equivalent of six Chick-fil-A nuggets. You just ruined my avocado <laughs> ranch lime. I'm out of that. Hey, it gave me freedom to eat nuggets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, I, that's a difference yep. between legalism and grace. Thank you, brother. That's two fist bumps. Same episode. Skip the salad. Yeah. Go straight for the nuggets. Yep, exactly. I love it. So, I love it. Yeah, Chick-fil-A, step it up. Skylar Bibles. Um, yeah, we like those. Yeah. But I, we like Crossway, too, apparently. Dude, I didn't. We like Crossway well, Bibles, too. So you make fun of me. I'm not uh, making fun of you. For, we like them both. No, yeah, I, yeah. so we have our Skylar. Mine's a CSB, yours is an ESV. Mm-hmm. Um, we have matching Skylers, but this um, when I preach on the weekends here, I use my ESV um, because that's just the translation our church uses. Um, it's is it a crossway? Oh yeah, it's yeah. that first one I got. It's, it's so like soft. the exact same as yours, and it's yeah. the best. Yeah, and I was dude. preaching. I was like, man, this thing's like butter. Yeah, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, when you hold up a Bible, now this is pleather. This yeah. is a study Bible. That's but even it's a there, well-used study Bible. When you have goat skin that drapes like that, be that's like down there. that's like a wet washcloth. Yeah, that's what the crossway wonderful. does. It's, it's wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> when it's goat skin and it'll last forever. Yep. Yeah, you need so, to get yourself get Skylar. yourself a good Bible. Get yourself a good Bible. Dude, but no, if like, you're reading off here, that's fine. What's up, what, like, Benji? <laughs> Foundry. Uh, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to NLT. So like, I got this fine new leather NLT Bible for Christmas, and they're like, oh no, we're going for CBD, and I'm like. It's CSB. No, it's I'm CBD. I'm ripping on it because I got because like a really nice NLT Bible. In That's the fine. We'll get some verses. He, he, he was so fired up about that NLT Bible, but what frustrates him is when you're reading from the CS, CBD, CSB, CSB, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I can't even follow along. Which Although it, I think you probably could. No, I can't. I think, I okay, he says yeah, no. I mean, I mean, and you, I mean, I read the CSB one day and you had your ESV out and you're like, oh, it's the same thing. Yeah, but and that's so. your exercise science like degree coming through. Because you can figure that out. Because I mean, he he he's not done with high school yet. That's true, Binge. The true? CSB. I like the CSB. And ultimately, what it boils down to, this is going to feel shameful to admit, is I was going to go NLT, but the deciding factor there were some like yeah, word yeah. stuff. But at the end of the day, they didn't have very many premium options. They didn't have for goat skins. That's and so I was like, yeah, we're going CSB because <laughs> you wanted the goat skin in a translation you could understand. And it's a solid Bible. Yeah. It's taking over the world. Just get ready. Just um, get a Bible in a translation you can understand and read it. Yep. And hot take in June at the FCA camp, John Vermeer will be preaching from a CSB. So it's going to be awesome. Really? I don't know. I just made that up. But it's, oh, okay. FCA gotcha. switched to it. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I mean, out of respect for them. But yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, Trace, uh, she must be on vacation. Trace cakes because. Yeah. She's Either, earned it. Yeah, she's earned a vacation. She's earned it. Dude, were you at the marriage, the last night of the marriage night? I was not. Oh, she catered out all this stuff. She catered, I would have come. Oh, it was that. insane. Cheesecake bites, cupcakes. I mean, dude, you name it. Trace Cakes was on insane. duty? In, in uniform. There's a Trace Cakes uniform? Oh, yeah. She's got the whole chef's thing and everything. Yeah. And she, oh, I I'm, my dress case right, uniform is that a shirt that's a little bit too tight, and uh, that's all of them. So that's how you know I'm a part of Trace No, you're cakes. looking good, man. June 4th is coming. June 4th is coming. It's on the way. Are you and Hope registered? <laughs> we are registered. I keep telling people they got to uh, check it out. Listen, don't wait for the invitation. You're not going to be invited. It's it's a limited number. Uh, it's a backyard wedding. The backyard love. is not that big. It's out of love. But if you love Britton Bishop, if you love this podcast, you can support it by going to... Their online <laughs> registration, which is at, is it at Amazon? Uh, no. No, where is it? Where is it at? Target. Target? Target? Yeah, I don't know that. Target yeah. and Crate and Barrel. Crate and Barrel. I don't know what that is. Don't but. do it for Britain. Do it for Hope. Yeah. She's got to be married to this guy. Absolutely. She's got to yeah. put up We're with about that to beard. move, and so she's about to get to do her whole thing. Where are you moving yeah. to? Are you moving away? No. Staying in Manistee. Just getting somewhere bigger. Good. I'm out of the bachelor pad. It's about time. <laughs> it's about time. Hey, but I will say, there was a time where Darcy told me I needed to hang some stuff on the walls, and I said- when I find the right girl, she'll hang stuff on the walls. 
and you sent us a picture now yep there's stuff on the walls because hope came in and did a little decor (laughs) i like it so skyler love you hope trace cakes anybody else we already did the chick-fil-a yeah fight night coming up next week oh is it really yeah fight night it'll be right after this so tomorrow is fight night um at the buckley campus yeah we have a speaker coming in. if you're listening to this on the wednesday yeah if you're listening to this on wednesday fight night is thursday um april i believe it's the 8th April 8th. April 8th. Uh, there will be pork butts, yard games. 7th. April 7th. Yep. April 7th, there will be pork butts, um, yard games, all the cool stuff. We're flying in an international speaker. From Mexico. Mexico City. One of the most brilliant dudes I've ever met. Love that guy. Uh, Santiago. He was here last year. So if you're a Santiago dude. Santiago Fuentes. If you're listening to this, even if you don't go to the tab, um, this could be a cool time for you to get to know it. So if fight you're a night. Dude, if you're a dude, if you're a man, yeah. come to fight, fight night, night, which is- uh, six. It start, yeah, no, it starts. No, food starts. Hangout starts at six. The session starts at seven. Right. So at the be Buckley food, campus, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. So come check it out. That'll be good. Sweet. It's good to have you back. I mean, it yeah, was fun it's good to with. Be back. It was fun with Ben. You guys got a little two hours. Now. Yeah, because me and Ben like to go long. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we do. So yeah, we have a little no. bit more. We got some of that old man strength right. when it comes to stamina. <laughs> Don't hurt me over here. Feels good to be back. So it feels Florida good to be was back. hell on earth. So uh, was it really? Yeah. I hey, have you slapped anybody? No. Yeah, I haven't slapped anybody yet. Yeah, I don't know if I'd slap anybody. I don't know if I would either. I don't know why you're talking about slapping people. I, well, I don't know. Something Maybe something happened where somebody something might have happened. Yeah. Dude, I'm gonna <laughs> close it right now if you continue <laughs> with this. We love you, Benji. Tab family, we love you. Until next time, this is John Benji and Britton signing off.